0: Hi, welcome to After the Crisis with Victoria. On this podcast, we talk about stress, trauma, plain old bad days, and how those events impact the way in which we walk through the world. Everyone needs to be heard, and I am here to listen. Together, we will find realistic, healthy ways to turn our setback into a comeback. If you're a person who has ever endured difficult times, which have left you feeling disconnected from your authentic self, a little bruised, or even a little broken, this podcast is for you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to After the Crisis with Victoria. My name is Victoria English Martin, and I thank you for listening. Today is a new adventure for me. I changed my recording station from my bedroom to my closet. So I want to give a little shout out to my friend, Lisa Vasquez, who is a neat freak, he would be so proud of me. Also, my friend Nikki Mitchell, who every time she comes over, complains about my closet. So my closet is actually clean enough that I can use it as a recording studio. I gave away about six bags to donation yesterday. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Suzy Brown Vasquez because she sent me this beautiful scarf when I was going through chemotherapy. It says, When it rains, look for rainbows. When it's dark, look for stars. And so I decided to put that behind me as a reminder to myself and everyone watching and listening. And it's interesting that this happened, that I happen to be recording in here today because it was suggested to me by my friend Allison, who does a podcast. She said, Sounds a little dingy when you're talking. Why don't you try recording in your closet? And that leads us into. The topic of today's episode, which has a lot to do with village and how all of us, when we come from good intentions, when our intentions Are aligned with our values and with our spirit, whatever you call that, how the universe does conspire to help us and to bring us into unity so that we can help ourselves and, more importantly, help others. So, I have a really great guest today, an old dear friend of mine, Michelle Hodson. Her name is actually Fab. Fabulich was her name in college, and I don't know how many people knew her first name was Michelle. We just all called her Fab. So I'll tell you a little bit about Michelle Hudson. She started an article recently in which she was quoted to say, one of life's most important lessons, if you want something, give it. If you are alone, go help somebody lonely. If you're scared, show courage on someone else's behalf. When you ignite another person's light, that glow reflects on and strengthens you. That emotionally brave outlook got Michelle, who is now 49, and her family through their darkest days. This part gets hard to read. (sighs) Her third child, Cole Clayton Hudson, passed away a few days after his birth in October 2007 from ailments related to Down syndrome. As his first birthday neared, Michelle, who had two surviving sons and has since had twins, decided that instead of being stuck in her grief, we should get moving on a project that would bring smiles. So on Cole's birthday, friends and family came to her home and filled backpacks with toys, then attached them to teddy bears for children at the hospital where Cole died. The connection her sons felt to their brother while serving others in his honor was healing for them and for the entire family. The next year, twice as many people came to commemorate Cole's second birthday. And by the third year, Michelle says, so many people wanted to join in, I couldn't host it at my house. Instead, the former teacher offered to organize Service projects for kids at people's schools, churches, and community groups. An initiative that turned into the nonprofit Children Helping Children, CHC, which are Cole's initials. Today, Michelle teaches her compassion curriculum to groups at CHC's Light and Love Loft, where kids paint, sing, drum, then dream up ways to use their creativity to help others. Kids are inherent givers, but they don't want to feel forced into it. Talk to them about what they are good at. Then ask things like, that makes you feel powerful and strong. How can you use that to make someone else feel the same way? Well, if that isn't an intro, I don't know what is. And... As beautiful as Michelle is and has always been, it's her internal grace and beauty that has always drawn people to her. And Michelle, thank you for being here.
1: Oh my gosh. It is such an honor to be here. It was so beautiful hearing you read those words. I just got to kind of breathe it in and absorb everything. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Oh yeah. Well, sometimes to hear others say things like that about us, you kind of go, wow, that was me. You know, not in a prideful way, but just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you for that. Of course. That's beautiful. So I'll let you take the reins now and just tell us a little bit about your transition from being a teacher to losing coal to how everything happened what your vision is for the future?
1: So the really big things in life come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, your life just is going one way and you think you have control over it and it can turn on a dime, as you know. Mm -hmm. And it just makes all of the nonsense stop, you know, and makes you really look at what am I doing in my life? And what is this about? And, you know, you want to ask, why did this happen? And that's a tricky slope because you don't want to go down a, What if I did this, this wouldn't happen? Or what if I did that? It's more of a, this did happen. I don't want it, but it happened. And what am I going to do now that makes this define me in the most positive way instead of the most negative way? Because you get to choose. That's Mm -hmm. the part you have control over. Yes. And for me, I just kept thinking, you know, this little baby came into the world and he was so magical and so you know, the few that got to hold him and meet him would tell you there was just something about him that was so divine. And I am so convinced that he actually was here longer than he should have been just to let us all feel that. Mm. He just in this nanosecond taught us so many things that I hope to now live the remainder of my life passing on to other people. And so people ask me all the time was CHC, you know, what was the business plan? Did you sit down and sort of sketch out?" The truth is, I say this every time, God had it. God had the business plan. Cole was an angel that came to us. And I pray that I am the vessel for that light, that little light in his life to give messages to people. And then for me, it's been so healing to just be part of that, you know, to be just doing what I feel like God tells me to do. And the experience just healed us. I mean, I see different people that go through different things and the biggest thing I want to say to them and even the kids that we have the pleasure of working with is what you need, give, you know, what you're lacking. And for me at that time, I was lacking the love of a little baby. I came Mm -hmm. home from the hospital. He wasn't here very long you that have had children, you know what your body does after a baby. Every part of you knows you've had a baby nine months. There was one in your belly and it's not there. anymore. And my hands were just empty. And I just wanted to say, have all this love, you know, to give and I want to give it. And, you know, prayers answered, I guess, because then all this opportunity to go ahead and love other children through that came and it helped my children the same way. I spoke to you earlier about this. My second Logan was, I had older Jake than second Logan, and we prep like you do, kids. So you're about to be a big brother. Yeah. And he couldn't understand. He was three at the time, but like, where's the baby that I'm supposed to be now? I'm not the big brother. And what to do with that? So it gave them a place to put all their love and energy. And then I just grew from there, grew from that little spark of wanting to keep him alive in a way that felt really authentic and not just that's a story we're going to put somewhere, you know?
0: That's right. A
1: story that's not meant to be put somewhere. And I hope that. Everybody has their story that you don't put that story somewhere and you hide it because it needs somewhere to grow and heal and breathe. And I can't tell you enough how many women in particular have come through CHG to help only to find out later that they've had similar stories of, you know, several miscarriages or babies dying or children dying. And Mm -hmm. for them, it's a way to kind of tell their story too. And it's such a joy to make that it's no longer just Cole's story or my story. It's a village of people's story.
0: The village, right. I love the idea that we talked about earlier of a village. And it really does take a village when you go through something like this. And one of the things you mentioned was being thankful that you did have a village at the time of this crisis and this awful, unimaginable loss. And that you don't know how people get through it without that community and what you're doing is facilitating that for people, whether they've gone through the same crisis as you or a different one, but they're coming together all in a united effort to help others with whatever they have to give. And I think that's beautiful. And you also made a connection to something you learned about Village in, I believe it was Tanzania. My
1: sister. sister.
0: Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that story? Because that really struck a chord. And I believe that was before you lost Cole. It was. It was probably two
1: years before we lost Cole. My husband at the time's sister had a son who passed away as a four-year-old in Tanzania from malaria. She was an anthropologist and spent many, many years there. The tradition there is that I believe it's a full year, the grieving parent person in this case, parent always had to have someone with them. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be this planned thing. Like in America, of course we do the food at the door and all that stuff is awesome and needed, but it was literally like a person that if you wanted to cry, that person was there. If you wanted to laugh, that person was there. And people just took turns being that person. And it just speaks to that. Like it's hard enough, whatever you're going through, but to do it alone is unbearable. And we're not meant to, Mm -hmm. even in your greatest Hour of faith and knowing you're not alone because God's with you and getting all of that on a deep level. We break. I mean, we're human. It's it tears you up to grieve and go through what you know. Lots of people go through and to have a human contact there, just saying, "I may not get it fully, but I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you until you get on the other side of this." That's
0: beautiful. And that, as you know, with the title of my podcast, "After the Crisis," you and I talked about this. I haven't walked in your shoes. You haven't walked in mine, but they are there for each other. And in true community, there's no reason to put, as I call it, a period at the end of the sentence, you know, a time at which you need to be finished with yeah. grieving or finished with processing whatever you've been through. And part of my message and what you're demonstrating with CHC is that it's okay to continue on that journey. Just keep exploring it. And what it looks like immediately during or after the crisis can evolve over the years. But without that tribe, without that connection, it often can spiral into isolation, depression, addiction, There's so many bad things, but conversely with that village, it doesn't mean that you don't still feel that grief and that pain, but you have a community and you can in some way minister to others.
1: And heal by doing so. And the key word I think is just connection because when we feel disconnected is when it really comes barreling down. And to your point, like you may get all this, that first year of him dying or the first year you got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. running in with just, oh, what can I do? And it's that you feel the grace and you feel the prayers, you feel the love. And then everyone does have to go on with their own lives. But there's still things that happen and unfold. So like, I feel like the best thing we could just gift each other is the ability to be authentic in that and to be able to say, you know, I know maybe today I'm supposed to be feeling great, but I don't. Or I know today is an anniversary and I'm supposed to be falling apart, but I feel great. Just, be, you know what I mean. Just, just yes. That comes to you that day and allow that person, whoever's going through it, to express it. Mm-hmm. That emotion is. It's a mixed bag of tricks, and we shouldn't be forced to feel like I'm good now or I'm I'm not good now. It's just authenticity and the connection is just what can make it a lot easier than it sometimes
0: is. Yeah. Right. I like a point you brought up during our earlier conversation about CHC, you mentioned how you are meeting some children, some families' primary needs, meaning people who may not have food in the refrigerator, access to other necessities that they need, especially as children. So you're bringing that community and then you're bringing other community in. And what you were finding is that, you can put it better than I can, but basically you were saying that The people coming in to help the ones with the primary needs were finding that they were getting help as well. And what a sense that gave to the ones that have always been considered the underprivileged coming from a place of scarcity, the empowerment that gives to them. So can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. And this was one of the sort of secret sauces that we've come to find grew out of the magic of really letting God take the lead here with the way the curriculum was written and the people that were sort of sent to us in this village that we've created through this nonprofit. And twofold, one, the quote unquote entitled kids that seem to have everything First of all, don't because they've (laughs) lost perspective. They've lost gratitude. They have a different level of hunger that's not looked at enough.
0: That's a great point.
1: Putting them in a place to see the world and their ability and their requirement, quite frankly, to help calls them to a deeper meaning, connects them, makes them much better people. And it's all in there. I mean, they just get desensitized by more and more and more. And it comes from a good place. Parents, you know, we all want to give our kids everything because we love them, but to a point of it's not deep anymore. And so, meaning mm-hmm. this gives them purpose, but not in an entitled way. Like, here I am, the white horse that's coming in to save the day. When I'm right. feeling that, which will happen in the beginning sometimes, I like to sit and have conversations about, you know, you're coming to help because you have this to give, but watch and see if there's something that you might get out of the experience because mm-hmm. it's the giving in and the receiving. And then we have the kids on the other side that don't have food, backpacks, clothes healthcare support in, in law for child protective services. I mean, what, whatever it is that their immediate primal need is that's not getting addressed, but they've got so much stuff. They're funny and they're creative. And so if we just give and give and give and give, and then don't ask for something back, right? It's, hmm, this human that mm-hmm. first used to be born in a family where they couldn't have food. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of puts them in a passenger, like, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And then you start to feel like, You know, just the recipient, or or I hate using the word victim because it's probably not the right word, but just that no one is really asking what you can do. And so, when we give those kids in that situation an opportunity to either give to kids in their own nonprofit as mentors, having known what that is like, right? Someone totally different, like a kid that may not have food, we can say, well, you know, we're having a pop-up shop with kids that are disabled at our nonprofit. You're full-bodied and able. Yes. all of a sudden, there's this empowering moment where I have this to give. I can lift those boxes for you because my hands work and you're still like that kind of thing. That's beautiful. Beyond like I'm blessed to do this work, to be witness to that. Yes.
0: That's the kind of stuff that creates character in young people. I love what you just said. I mean, for somebody who is lacking in a very significant area, like poverty, lack of access to food and backpacks and medical care and things like that. But then, so they're always feeling that weight. And then to be able to turn around and see somebody who may have those things, may not be in scarcity in those areas, but can't lift a box. How
1: empowering to realize. In every... Person. Every child wants to be able to say, Hey, I'm good at this, watch this. You know, you remember when your kids were like, Look, mom. That whole thing. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, adults want to do that. Like, look what I'm good at. I know I'm good at. And let me help and show you that. So, our curriculum is based on what is your life and how you share it for that reason to just find out what they're really great at and give them an opportunity to share about it. And I also want to say, like, These are heavy topics that you're, you're, for one, going to be talking about all the time, right? Mm -hmm. In the nonprofit world that I'm in, also, there's a lot of heaviness. And it's so important to remember the childlike fun, too. Like, it's nuts when you go through something horrible. And sometimes, like you were saying earlier, you need someone to laugh with. It doesn't always have to be so deep and heavy all the time, because it just is anyway. On a minute to be like, let's just go, I'm so tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm so tired for. And I get caught in that spiral sometimes in my life, even now, just day to day stuff where, you know, oh my God, I'm so, let's just like, go be with the five year old and go have fun and play and just remember that
0: this is all temporary. We're, good things are going to happen. You know? Exactly, exactly. Tell me a little bit about. Because talking about childhood fun and I have you know, obviously you and I have been friends for so long and so I've seen on social media, I've seen the evolution of this. But tell oh, me a little bit about
1: you're gonna to bring us to some of my silly sides from college. That's not we're not allowed to, we're <laughs> not gonna
0: <laughs> Girl, we're not talking about that on this podcast. We're supposed to be adu- we're supposed to be responsible grown-ups right now. Put it away, Fab. Yeah. I won't mention your little mermaid costume during rush.
1: Or <laughs> well, what happened in the lazy river,
0: ladies. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Vicky Waller, if you have the Doo Doo Brown video.
1: <laughs>
0: Don't put that out there in public. Don't put that out there in public. Anyway, now that we have found our laughter. Just give us a little glimpse into what these gatherings look like. So you are at a, some kind of a gathering place, and then take it from there. Are you talking about CHC? Next? CHC.
1: Okay. Well, the biggest event we have is Love Fest in the park here at Piedmont Park, where we have a junior board of directors that have tents, and they run a program where kids come up and assemble gifts that benefit nonprofits that support whatever they're interested in. So it's like a leadership opportunity, but it is also fun. So we have all the festivities of like jump houses and trains and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's it, our slogan is "Give back, have fun. So it's about keeping it light. If you're going to be having fun at a party anyway, tag something philanthropic on the end of it. It's very easy to do. And um, the need is so great. So it's just a good mix of doing all that. And then we have a wellness center at King Cloud Art Center, where last year was probably the least amount of programming we did because we had a great year at CHG. Our goals were just to amp up Love Fest and make it bigger, which we did. And so now this year is super exciting because we're going to bring all the old programming back and, and invite people to come. And it's just the first thing that we're doing in January is kindness and karaoke and the families come and sing and assemble gifts with other people and have sort of a village dinner. And it's a once a month, just very simple. It doesn't have to be for anyone listening that want to know how to incorporate this in their life. You don't have to start a nonprofit to do this. You can literally have a friend Friday where you order pizza and you don't worry about cleaning your house and you tell everybody, come bring a jacket. Yes. It's really not that hard. I mean, that's a great point. And you take the jackets and you bring them down to a local children's shelter that needs it. I mean, it's just easy. And then you've built that sense of community. You've had a good time and you've helped someone out. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's just finding the mind space to incorporate it in your day-to-day life And be very just conscious that it is our responsibility and it will give you 50 times more than you could ever give.
0: Absolutely. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what you're going through. That's a great point. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, (laughs) Um, (laughs) a serious amount of fun. And I also love that from CHC, the mothers that were coming together from, again, all different backgrounds found a connection. And that led you to something completely different, which is exciting. Tell us about that. Yes,
1: that's SHE, which is the acronym Spiritual Healing Energy. And it started in 2016. And much like CHC was a minute ago, it takes a minute to evolve. Can I just sidebar here? Anybody that has concepts or is thinking about an idea, like I am a divorced mom of four kids that are all over the place. And- I don't always have it all together. And there are times where I'm like, I want to do this thing. And I, I like, as I was saying this to you, I'm just being totally vulnerable and real. Yeah. So I haven't done any, like, I have such goals to do stuff with she this year because I haven't. And I almost beat myself up about it. I'm like, I can't. I can't. I see she is so on the ground and moving. So I just want to say, I'm so happy to do it because it needs more attention and more love. And it's so valuable to me. And I want both things. But I felt the
0: need to just say, like, we're getting there. There's, yeah, there's no perfect time to say this is what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. But the concept is that we as women in particular need each other. We were, were social beings and we want to be in tribes of women. And I felt like I had, in so many lucky ways, met so many wonderful women and surrounded myself with them. And I was constantly trying to say, hey, you know, you meet this one or you meet this one to kind of gather. and like. Yeah. Hey, through that, this woman is going to help you with that. And it's just a collective gathering of women that like speak on deep things. And it's not just cocktail party where everybody's like, I mean, listen, I'm all about fashion. I think it's great, but we don't always have to just talk about the shoes that we're wearing and all that. So it gets to just quickly the real, you know, meat of who we are and what our needs are in supportive ways. And God, if I could snap my fingers and have a village of people looking around my neighborhood now, which is out here, of people living next to me, were. Every neighbor is doing that. My life would be so much easier. Yes. Helping each other and supporting each other and being real about things and helping our kids so that, you know, one's looking after the other. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm targeting six cities this year. And guess what? Boulder, Denver is one of them because hopefully Jake's going to be going to school there. So Miami, New York, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Tampa, and Boulder, Denver, those six to just have little tribe gatherings. hmm mm-hmm as I mentioned to you earlier this morning, at some point have a big gathering once a year. I'm going to vet out Bali this August. Just a big group of women that come for four or five days of healing arts where we're doing moving meditations and sister circles and just a
0: deep breath of like, where are we? And
1: not to, yeah, right?
0: Just a place to exhale. Yeah,
1: just that. And yeah, leave feeling not just that you were hurt and you've been able to drop it all, but some tools moving forward. So you don't want it to just be like, a, let's dump everything that's wrong with our lives. I'm like, right. Oh, how am I going to help you as a sister get up and like do what you said you're going to do or be accountable or be right. proactive, you know, and all that. So I'm real focused on that last piece, especially just the whole like power thing.
0: Right? That's great. Yeah. Because earlier you spoke about, you know, I said, well, you know, what do you do at these She Gatherings? And you said we do intention ceremonies, we do moving meditations, sister circles. And I love what you said about holding your sisters accountable. Like, you know, when you're in that space of vulnerability, sometimes with strangers that you've just met, not only do you heal your differences, regardless of where you come from, politically, socially, socioeconomic, religion, any of that is thrown out the window. So you heal the differences and you form that bond. And then you can say things and put things out into the universe that you may not say to your closest friends. Yeah. Just the space and holding space, holding spiritual sacred space for people
1: to be able to be wide open. And I feel like I love that I have way right, way left friends because I don't always agree with everyone I'm friends with, but I really love to hear their perspective because I care about them. And if I understand my friend who I care about, that's different from me, I'm going to do a much better job understanding someone in the world that I don't like that believes the same way because absolutely an understanding of like, that's not coming from that weird place. It's coming from a softer place. Like, so putting yourself around people, especially women for me anyway, that are different is not just healing, but it gives me much more wisdom than if I'm just going to s- surround myself with like-minded females that are just like me. Right. I'm not going to grow. I want to continue to grow and challenge my beliefs and continue to grow and look at tolerance and understanding of everyone and really support when it's
0: all said. We all just need support. We need yes. support and help and all that. It's such a more beautiful way to live. Yeah. And especially, I, I feel like, As the world becomes more and more connected via the internet and everything else, we become more disconnected because it's almost like we feel like we have to pick a side or pick a belief. And that's where the conversation gets shut down. And you and I are both led to break down those barriers and bring people together. And I say this in every episode, we are more alike than we are different. Absolutely. No question. And conversations like this facilitate that and prove it to be true. I hope our listeners will find out more about Michelle. Where can we find you online?
1: Well, I guess going to the CHC website, chcatlanta.org. At some point, like I said, not tomorrow, because we've got to pace ourselves, we're going to hopefully have a franchise at CHC and bring this to lots of cities so that there could be kids everywhere helping kids.
0: That's fantastic. So any of these listeners, if this resonates with you, like Michelle said, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge undertaking. It can be something small. Maybe you put this on your vision board for 2020. Maybe reach out to Michelle. You can email her from the website and maybe just start the ball rolling. It can be something tiny, but this is a growing movement. And maybe someone listening more than someone is meant to hear this and do something with it.
1: And also, if anyone in those six cities are interested in being a part of our Tribes, this is a big growing year for us. And so we're going to just put out there anyone in those cities close by that'd like to come and join our group.
0: Will you remind us of those cities one more time? New York. LA, Atlanta, Boulder, Denver, Jacksonville, and Tampa. Okay. Here's open, <laughs> listeners. One final quote that Michelle sent me earlier that I love, and I think it's a great way to finish is the love we give away is the only love we keep. So keep giving it. Keep giving it, and you'll receive it in, like Michelle said, 50 fold. So I thank you, sister, for being here. Have a blessed new year, and we'll be in touch. Love you. Thanks for listening to After the Crisis with Victoria. For more about me, how I can serve your needs, and links to our special guests, please subscribe to this podcast and visit victoriaenglishmartin.com. Also, come on over to our free Facebook group and join our community After the Crisis with Victoria. I'm offering access to fun, healthy, and thought provoking content. Additionally, You'll find exclusive programs, workshops, and one-on-one coaching. Until next time, count your blessings, not your burdens. And remember, there is life after the crisis.